0: When I started to think about what I wanted to speak on, I went to the lectionary and I read through each passage and then just kind of gave it some time to see which one was going to stick with me this time. Which one was I going to continue to, to think about um, over and over and over again? And interestingly, I think, the one that, uh, that stuck with me uh, this time was our Old Testament reading uh, this morning. Which was Psalm 91. And so, before we go any further, the the official lectionary reading like skips around in it. Let me read you the whole thing, and and then we can talk about it some more. So this is Psalm 91. He who takes refuge in the shelter of the Most High, will be safe in the shadow of the Almighty. He will say to the Eternal, my shelter, my mighty fortress. My God, I place all my trust in you. For he will rescue you from the snares set by your enemies who entrap you and from deadly plagues. Like a bird protecting its young, God will cover you with his feathers. He will protect you under his great wings. His faithfulness will form a shield around you, a rock-solid wall to protect you. You will not dread the terrors that haunt the night. Or the enemy arrows that fly by in the day. Or the plagues that lurk in the darkness. Or the disasters that wreak havoc at noon. A thousand may fall on your left. Ten thousand may die on your right. But these horrors won't come near you. Only your eyes will witness the punishment that awaits the evil. But you will not suffer because of it. For you made the eternal your refuge, the Most High your only home. No evil will come to you. Plagues will be turned away at your door. He will command his heavenly messengers to guard you, to keep you safe in every way. They will hold hold you up in their hands so that you will not crash or fall or even graze your foot on a stone. You will walk on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the lion and the serpent underfoot. Because he clings to me in love, says the Lord, I will rescue him from harm. I will set him above danger because he has known me by name. He will call on me and I will answer. I'll be with him through hard times. I'll rescue him and grant him honor. I'll reward him with many good years on the earth and let him witness my salvation. Before I get to my thoughts on this, let me just open this up to the room here. How does this psalm hit you this morning? What do do you hear or feel when you listen to that today? For the benefit of the online people, I'll bring you a microphone so they can hear you too, and the online people you can speak up too.
1: Psalm 91 is my second most favorite Psalm after Psalm 23. I have read this hundreds of times. Uh, it came to my clear attention, uh, uh, stories I heard that missionaries, uh, centuries ago, uh, they would hold on to this when they were in the midst of headhunters and titsy flies and all kinds of crazy things and they couldn't call 911 or anything. And so this was their life, this was their lifeboat. I went well. I better pay attention to that, huh? And um, and as a writer, I pay attention to words, especially verbs. And I have printed this out and underlined it many times. And so I look at what is my part. There's a whole lot of imagery here, but what's my part? It says, "Place all my trust in the Lord. Made a, a refuge. Call on me." That's my part. And then all that other wonderful stuff happens, but I gotta I gotta do my part of the covenant. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the people I deal with uh, every week on in recovery, uh, for them and for me, it gets back to trusting God. Really, really, really trusting God in the deepest, darkest basement of our hearts to get us out of our jams, whatever they may be. And God shows up, but you sure enough got to trust God in your toenails, not just in your eyebrows.
0: Past. Thank you, John. Um,
2: As I looked over the passage again, it just feels so safe and so, yeah, just like, Peaceful when things aren't peaceful at all, you know, just comforting, just safe.
3: Um, I have a little bit of a different take on it. I feel like (laughs) um, it's not true. It does not feel true to me. I hate this psalm. (laughs) That's all.
4: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, this past week I certainly identified with what you're saying, Megan, uh, definitely. And, and that was, that was why I was kind of like, man, this sounds really sweet. Uh, too bad it's not happening over in Ukraine right now. Um, and one thing that just keeps coming back to me this is the psalm that you read from Luke, you know. That Satan throws at Jesus and guess what? It didn't bear out to a cross. I mean, uh, his foot did strike the stone and he was nailed on a cross and it didn't come about until after. And so you sit there and you say, yeah, this is uh, a hard, a hard Psalm to get your arms around Um, and you remember the one who did get his arms around it had them stretched out on a cross so that's
5: mine is mine is like when you things are going well it feels safe to me when things are going horrible it doesn't feel safe either
6: Megan, I'm with you. <laughs> so I just want to validate that. My first thought, similar to Daryl, was of Ukraine when I was reading this. But I also think of a lot of families I know that it just doesn't feel true for them. And then I think about maybe this is true not for our circumstances, but for our hope and for our mental safety, that we know that there is a path beyond where we are right now. And that protection is not necessarily for our physical safety, but where we're protected in knowing that there's a safety beyond our current moment that 's all I got
2: okay, I agree with you, ladies as well
3: <laughs> also some validation um, i 've been in a really hard season uh, the last couple of years of my life and It's good to hear this, but it's hard to own it. Um,
6: Yeah, that's all I got.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, This feels safe safe when I'm dissociative. (laughs) Um, Yeah. If I think about my real life. It doesn't feel like what I live, but it sounds nice.
1: You know, I always think when I read that seems untrue, I mean, that the writer knew all that, and that they're inviting us into this tension and to wonder, okay, where does my security come from and what are the questions I'm supposed to ask when it doesn't make any sense to me? Because there's a part of it's true, just like the Job poet, you know, there's clearly he's commenting on Deuteronomy, and there's a part of Deuteronomy God rewards the good. That's true, and he's really inviting us to ask questions of ourselves when it's not true, and to live in that tension.
5: I think because I can speak for this because I'm older um but I also with that old? I'm old I'm old um, I said older um and then Daryl would say yeah older than me um but um so so as I think back though if I was with that scripture um there have been times that I wouldn't want to hear that scripture either. But as I think back through my life and I start to just kind of segment different parts of my life, and if, I, if I'm if i really honest, that scripture is true to me. Even though I told you I'm going to play the devil's advocate at first because I thought everybody was going to say, you know, something good about that scripture. And I was like, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. <laughs> um, but... Um, <laughs> I thought the devil was a lawyer. But... As I think back and I seg, I can s- just put in different segments of my life, um, that scripture has always been true to me if I want to be honest about it. It's always ended up being true to me. It may have not felt true at the time that I was going through something and I, and it was hard and difficult and there are times that I, as I think back through some of those times that I honestly did not think I was going to get through it, or we were going to get through it together and be okay, But we did. And we got on the other side of it. And that that scripture is so true. It's so true.
1: And so, Ted, additionally, there's a similar verse that came to me this week a lot. You are my hiding place. You preserve me in trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance, Psalm 32, 7. Uh, for me, those two are very closely wedded. Uh, they have been my go-to when I've been in times of deep, deep depression and despair. Um, i got to go to God, and, and God says that, come on in under my wings, this hiding place, you'll be okay, and all that yuck-yuck out there is not going to overwhelm you.
0: thanks John oh,
7: i I think everything that everybody has said is true, and it's probably one of those examples of times where you're supposed to weep with the people who weep and mourn with people who mourn and not like laugh in their face and be like, "God says it's going to be fine and so like <laughs> both things can be true, but there is there are times and places where some words are not well received and where a word of saying "You know this doesn 't feel true is actually like the best thing that someone can hear, and sometimes where the best thing we can hear is, this is true, um, but there are different times.
0: Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Sarah, I'm really regretting when we just did our budget and we didn't put a wireless microphone on the <laughs> list.
6: Okay, as, as Terry was talking and kind of sharing your hindsight looking back, it just strikes me that it's resilience looking back and seeing that although you haven't felt it to be true in the moment, the courage to move on and keep going and push through and whether you feel that comfort or not, the hope that we're moving toward that embrace that is promised in this passage. And I think it's the resilience that really shows The faith that you have—that I can't feel this to be true. I can't feel this right now, but I have that hope, and so I'm going to keep going. I
0: know, I know, I know, I know. I I don't even know why I'm bothering to switch microphones. This. Um, All right. Thank you for for all of that. Um, I I think it's obvious why this one stuck with me because there's a lot here, and I have thought and felt various aspects of everything that was shared this morning. Um, I read that psalm, and that's what I had. that's what I had in my mind was was Ukraine and the stories from people that are there that are through no fault of their own. Um, and like many, I struggle to reconcile what I'm reading in the text with what I'm seeing in the world. Uh, because a very surface level reading of this passage makes it sound like this is a promise from God that nothing bad will ever happen to you. Right? Right? And then you look around in the world. You, what's Ukraine? We're also, by the way, we're kind of at what I hope is the tail end of a global pandemic that has taken a lot of lives and caused a lot of, of everything. Um, and so you're like, you look at this passage, and you're like, what is this nonsense? Nothing bad is ever going to happen to me, really? That's not right. That doesn't match. My experience in reading The scriptures, though, is that um, when I run into a text that I'm really clashing with like this, um, which happens from time to time, it usually means that my expectations are off. Right. That I'm coming to this passage and I'm demanding something of it that it is not able to or equipped to or even intended to deliver on. Okay, so. Taking a step back, the passage is Psalm 91, right? That means it's a psalm. What's well, a psalm? Well, it's a song. It's a poem. It's poetry, right? Now, I'm not an English teacher, but I know one. <laughs> and I, my understanding is that if you were to take a surface-level reading of a poem and then say, well, that's what the poem means, you have missed the point of the poem. Poetry uses words to evoke emotion to teach a deeper truth. So what's going on in this poem? I think we hit on a lot of it here in our discussion. Let me highlight a few things, okay? It begins, he will, he who takes refuge in the shelter of the Most High will be safe in the shadow of the Almighty. He will say to the Eternal, My shelter, my mighty fortress, my God, I place all my trust in you. You will not dread the terrors that haunt the night or enemy arrows that fly in the day or plagues that lurk in the darkness or disasters that wreak havoc at noon. For you made the eternal your refuge, the most high your only home. No evil will come to you. Plagues will be turned away at your door. What's the emotion that's being evoked here? I think Jen said it right off the bat: safety, this um, comfort, security, peace. I hear and feel a glimpse at a life free from worry. There's nothing to worry about. What what does a worry-free life look like? When I was when I first asked myself that question, I have to admit I thought of the movie Office Space. The main character in Office Space, Peter, he's got a sad life. He has a horribly painful commute to a job that he hates. Everything about this job is just weighing on him and draining him. I mean, does anyone at your work ever say, it sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays? (laughs) In the movie, he goes to see a hypnotherapist, and the hypnotherapist puts him into this like special relaxed state. And as this happens, you can just see... All of the muscles in his face relax, as if all of the cares and the worries of his life are gone. He looks, for the first time, happy. But in the movie, this particular carefree state has a very dark side, because the hypnotherapist has a heart attack, and Peter doesn't seem to care. He just kind of stands up and walks out, and decides, you know what, I'm not going to go to work anymore. He's not going to quit his job, he's just not going to go, because he doesn't like it. Um, and you can see that this isn't really a good, a good thing for him. And they're not; it's it's not a great life. And so, when you think of a worry-free life, it's not the same thing as a self-centered, I literally care about nothing except how I feel right now kind of life. So, what does a worry-free life really look like? Um, as as, as Daryl pointed out. Um, a second ago and then as you heard in the reading our our new testament reading today is the story of Jesus going out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and the devil every time the devil tempts him Jesus responds by quoting scripture um Deuteronomy every time right it is written man shall not live on bread alone it is written worship the lord and serve only him the third temptation though is a very interesting one because the devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple Tells him to jump off, and then he quotes Psalm 91 at Jesus saying, it means nothing bad's going to happen to you. So you can do it. Right? Again, to quote it, he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. On, his ha- on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Listen to the lie that the devil says. If you are a child of God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. But we've all suffered. Does that mean we're not children of God? Does it mean that God's not really there? Does it mean that God doesn't care? That Jesus sees it for the lie that it is. And so he throws another Deuteronomy quote at the devil and he's done with it, right? The story that starts in the wilderness leads to the cross. Jesus was definitely the son of God. Jesus suffered greatly. And yet, if you look at his life, I think you see what a worry-free life truly looks like just just think about this for a second this is a guy that goes from town to town and says whatever he feels like saying will it anger the crowds will the crowds try to kill him he doesn't seem to care he calls out the powerful so publicly and then he goes and finds the outcasts and befriends them invites himself over to their house he he walks right up to and touches lepers. He goes out to the tombs to the people, to the guy that have been chained outside of the gates in the tombs because they're too crazy. He goes to those people, fearless. He's on a boat with his disciples, who, by the way, are all seasoned fishermen. And they are freaking out. Because of the storm that's going on. And Jesus is sound asleep. And when they wake him up, freaking out, he is so irritated at them. Don't you trust God? See, he he gets what Psalm 91 is about. It's about having the trust in God. Putting your trust in God so that you don't have to worry about the things that you can't control because you can't control those things. But it doesn't mean that you don't do anything. In fact, it frees you up to act and to do the things that you can do. And Jesus clearly (laughs) did so much and lived his life with so much boldness because of that trust that is conveyed in this psalm. Alright, at the risk of carrying this microphone around a whole bunch of times. How does this hit you this morning? What 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 response do you have? All right. Serious wireless microphone. Write it down.
3: Uh it's interesting because when I um I didn't speak the first time around, but I was having kind of thoughts along those lines. I also, of course, thought of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and also our brothers and sisters in Russia and all of their going through. And thinking about a psalm like this in that space is that that offer of hope. Like if you're sitting in a train station waiting for a bomb, what you need in that space is something to hold on to, that God is... Um, that God is trustworthy, and I mean, I, I love that idea of of thinking about this as poetry, and and writing out what you need in that space, which often is a really hard thing. So,
2: I'm okay with that. <laughs> um. um Yeah, I like, I like the idea of that the things that we can't control, you know, like worrying about them, stressing about them, it doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah. So just, yeah, it just, it makes me think about, you know, if I think about relationships and kind of learning, like, what's mine to own and what's not mine to own, you know, like, and like, okay, so, you know, this is what I can control and this is what I can't and this is my part of the relationship and that is not something that I can do anything about, um... Uh that there's going to be a lot of hard, really awful stuff that can also end in death. And somehow there's a possibility to essentially move freely and what will be will be. And I can't, you know, I can't do anything about that. Um
3: so I feel like I have this strong visceral reaction to this psalm maybe because I am a warrior and I it's not that I like to worry about the things that I can't control but I very you know this to be true I very often do like I'm like what can I like I'm just thinking about Ukraine all day and I'm like what can I do the answer is Nothing, <laughs> and i don 't like that answer and um, I think that 's why I have such a hard time with so, like these such, such hopeful things <laughs> because i I want to do an act and I want to worry, and I want to it feels like worrying sometimes feels like doing something, even though it 's not um, um and so I do I think that's I mean I I don't think I should have been as down on the psalm as I <laughs> was at first. Um I, I guess I Psalm ninety anyway, one. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um because I do forget that it's um poetry. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first hear it, I'm just like, ugh. No. Um, I don't want to hear that right now, but I do think that it does it, it it may not provide comfort to me, but I know it provides comfort to other people and it um, you've helped me kind of see maybe I need to worry less about the things I cannot control and start to do things that I that I can
4: in all fairness, Megan, you're English, not Hebrew, so I mean, you let know, maybe yeah you know, some something to do with that. I, I I don't know who the psalm is attributed to, so I don't know who the author of this psalm is. I, perhaps no one does either. Um, but and, and that's the thing. There's two things, two thoughts that come to my mind. One is the word that came to my mind was not hopeful as much as uh, the perspective of this author as confident uh, that they're able to move. In confidence uh, that that they have God on their side. Um, the other thing, if this is David, if it is, or you know any number, we I mean, keep on remembering this is not a powerful group of folks. They're not stupid, you know. <laughs> they know. They know reality. They know death. They know, you know, being stomped on. So yeah yeah they they understand this, and so that's the other thing about it is is that um we look to someone that we trust, and even though the world falls apart around us, we're still going to keep on hanging on to that. This is what Jesus did uh even though the world was falling apart around him, he still had the trust. It's what Paul did when he had a thorn, which I think was actually the persecutions that he was experiencing, um, and he's saying, "Take it away, take it away, take it away," and God says, "No, my grace is enough." And Paul says, "Okay, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be glorifying in those." Um, so it's a bitter pill to swallow, but it still is what it is, in that sense.
1: To answer David, to answer uh, his question, according to the Wikipedia, uh, Moses is the author of, of Psalm 91. It says in Wikipedia that great source in the sky. The Midrash states in Psalm 91 was composed of, of Moses on the day he completed building the tabernacle in the desert. The verses describe Moses's own experience entering the tabernacle and being enveloped in the divine cloud. Just quoting a reference, I'm not going to die on that hill, but.
7: Um, What I was going to say is that taking a step back from it, we all have these built in ideas of what we can and can't control. And some of those are false. And so that's, I think, where we get ourselves into trouble with things like this, because we're trying to. Oh, let go of things that actually we are supposed to control, or we 're trying to um, we 're trying to do something about the things we can 't control, like you can 't control, despite what I have heard. You cannot control whether your children act right all the time, <laughs> and the more that I try to make them do that, the more that i 'm like, well, you know, and so. I can let that go, (laughs) but there's like ingrained cultural messages that tell us that certain things are within our control and certain things are our responsibility, and we have to dismantle those um, before we can actually let go of things that aren't in our control.
1: So also, what I think helps me is to zoom out from our suburban twenty-first century perspective. I was writing down that Psalm twenty, Psalm twenty-three is, has remained a favorite all over, but in Beatitudes and be First Corinthians thirteen, Hebrews eleven, the Gospels, and Acts. And so there's people in history during the persecutions of the Severs, Caesars, and during the Inquisition, and in Romania. You know, the voice of the martyrs, and heavy persecution. They they went to Psalm ninety-one and twenty-three underground church in China, people in penthouses, homeless shelters, Native American uh reservations, suburbia, prisons, hospitals. So so the word of God remains. And it touches all people, all places. So we need to recognize, uh, for me, the word of God is just wow. All those people, all those places at all those times. And, it, and God didn't, I keep telling myself over and over again. God doesn't change, the Bible doesn't change, so I need to adapt.
0: Oh, there I am. Okay. Thanks. Thanks everybody. <clears throat> yeah. This was, this was a good discussion. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for, for the ways that you bless us, for the ways that you take care of us and provide for us. And Lord, we, we look around in the world and we, we see examples of your care and provision and protection. And we also look and we see areas where it doesn't look like you're there sometimes. Help us to see you. Help us to see you in those areas. God, help us to, help us as we wrestle with what we read in your word and what we see in your world. From help us to grow in our in our understanding i guess more importantly though lord help us to grow in our love and in our trust give us hope and give us faith and lord please come soon and make everything right in jesus name we pray amen